March Madness 365 with Andy Katz is presented by Grammarly. Grammarly is a secure AI writing partner that gives your team an instant first draft in a few clicks, not a few hours. Companies that use Grammarly save an average of 19 days per employee per year. Grammarly works seamlessly across 500,000 apps and websites. Get personalized on-brand writing help everywhere your team works. Learn what better writing can do for your company at Grammarly.com. Grammarly. Easier said, done. Welcome to the latest edition of March Madness 365. I'm your host, Andy Katz. On this edition of, of our Sweet 16 podcast, I'll be joined by Porter Moser, the head coach of Lowe's Chicago, discussing the Ramblers' miraculous run to the Final Four last year. What's it like to go through that first weekend when you win in an upset and then you've got to be able to do it the second time? Less than 48 hours later, we saw that happen this weekend, this past weekend in the NCAA tournament. We had teams like Murray State won the first game, not able to do the second, win the second. You had teams like Wofford looking good the first game, not able to win the second. Buffalo, the same thing. It's so difficult to do that two games in a row in the same weekend for those teams that are outside the Power Five, Power Six. Yet Loyola was able to do it. We've seen it before, but it is not a yearly occurrence. So that's all coming up on our podcast, but let's look at the Sweet 16. You'll also be able to find my power rankings on the Sweet 16 at NCAA.com and, of course, March Madness. So let's start in the East. Duke taking on Virginia Tech after the Blue Devils' thrilling victory over UCF in the final seconds. So Virginia Tech beat Duke in their only meeting earlier this season, but Zion Williamson didn't play for Duke, but also Justin Robinson didn't play for Virginia Tech. This game will be in Washington, D.C., so one would assume that the Hokies will have a strong showing, but of course Duke always does in the Northeast. Look, for Virginia Tech to win this game, they're going to have to defend. Their guard play is going to have to be exceptional, but it'll be interesting to see, do the Hokies do what UCF did, which was basically back off the guards and challenge them to beat them and basically make those guys beat them, Trey Jones and Anthony Goldwire, instead of... Zion Williamson, R.J. Barrett, letting those guys score, but preventing the other guys from trying to beat them. That's what UCF did and almost worked. I still have Duke advancing, at least to the Elite Eight. I think the LSU-Michigan State game in D.C. could be one of the best games of the Sweet 16. LSU, Naz Reed, Michigan State, Nick Ward. LSU, Tremont Waters, Michigan State, Cassius Winston. I firmly believe who wins that game will win this bracket. And I'm leaning Michigan State, but I could see LSU taking it. So I still am projecting a Michigan State-Duke East Regional Final in D.C. on Sunday with Michigan State advancing. Gonzaga-Florida State in the West in Anaheim on Thursday night. Gonzaga has Killian Tilly and Brandon Clark, who did not play in the game against Florida State last year in the Sweet 16 in L.A. Brandon Clark, one of the best two-way players in the country. Phenomenal game, 36 points in their win over Baylor. Florida State looks even better than last season as they advanced with their victory, um, you know, knocking off Vermont first and then taking out Murray, Hanley, and Hartford. I think it's going to be a great game. I'm still going to lean Gonzaga, but it is going to be, I think, the most difficult game for Gonzaga to get to the Final Four. It doesn't mean they, if they advance, they can't lose to Texas Tech or Michigan, but this game is going to be a war. Texas Tech is defending so well, which will be a challenge for Michigan's offense. Um, Charles Matthews is going to have to have a great game. Xavier Simpson, though, will win the point guard battle. But will Michigan State, excuse me, Michigan, 
be able to defend Jared Culver. I'm going to lean, even though I know Texas Tech fans think I don't have any belief in them. I'm still going to lean with what my original pick was, which is Michigan against Gonzaga in the Elite Eight. In the South, we've got Virginia taking on Oregon. Oregon upset Wisconsin, then beat UC Irvine. Virginia looked horrible in the first half against Gardner-Webb and then turned it on and handled Oklahoma in the second half. Oregon has a great shot blocker in Kenny Wooten, but I just don't think they're a little wild. I think Virginia will tame them, and Virginia gets the lead eight. Tennessee-Purdue will be a great game. Carson Edwards at 42 and upsetting Villanova. Really not an upset. They were the higher seed, and really I picked them, and I think they should have won. Tennessee looked great for first half against Iowa, let them back in, but I love Tennessee's experience on the front court. They come to play. Grant Williams, Admiral Schofield, I think they advance past Purdue, and then it's a Tennessee-Virginia showdown in the Elite Eight. And I'm going to lean Tennessee like I predicted. So I'm staying with my picks. In the Midwest, Carolina-Auburn. Carolina is playing the best basketball of any team right now in the field. Auburn's playing great, but I think Auburn can't match Carolina the way Carolina plays. I think Carolina advances. Houston-Kentucky. This could get interesting. I could easily see Houston winning now without P.J. Washington for Kentucky. So this is where I could switch a pick. I had Kentucky advancing to play Carolina. Now I'm feeling more Houston. Houston, Carolina in the Elite Eight, sticking with Carolina. Carolina, Tennessee, Michigan State, Gonzaga. So I got one switch potentially in my Final Four. Uh, Excuse me, in my Elite Eight. Not my Final Four, in my Elite Eight. That's the one switch based on the injury of P.J. Washington. So those are my picks right now. And my discussion of the Sweet 16, let's get to two guests. One didn't expect to be here at all in Tony Benford, and the other one was in this spot a year ago. And now joining me here on March Madness 365, Porter Moser, the head coach of Loyola Chicago. Uh, we are taping this down in the Turner Studios in Atlanta. Porter's been down here for the last couple of days for the second round, and Port, it's amazing thinking about a year ago. You were also in Atlanta on your way to on your way uh, to the Final Four. Um, just put in perspective what it's been like 365 days since you last were in this position in this particular weekend, heading toward the Final Four. You know, when I got when I landed and they picked me up from Atlanta, and I was driving over here. I really was thinking about that. I'm like, gosh, last year this time, Atlanta. Uh, it was a moment that we'll never forget that weekend and, uh, you know, beating Nevada the first game and then beating Kansas State to go to the Final Four and just a total euphoria with family, friends, Loyola people. And then now fast forward it this year um, is it's, you know, been really tough to watch these games because you want to be here. And uh, I've had an absolute blast doing these these games with this crew here and everybody watching it. I really enjoy talking hoops and watching it. But unequivocally, I want to be in the tournament. And uh, it's just ironic that I'm taping all this and doing all this TV stuff in Atlanta when this is when we had the greatest moment in uh, in our careers there a year ago. All right, so last year you had a number of late possession wins early in the tournament. So we got to talk about what happened with Duke and UCF because UCF had multiple chances to win that game. An unbelievable performance from Aubrey Dawkins. Taco Fall played maybe one of his best games. He's altering shots. He gets some foul trouble. He fouls out. And in large part, you could argue that because he's out of the game, R.J. Barrett has the opportunity to get in position for the putback from Zion Williams' free throw miss. And then Aubrey Dawkins had missed a dunk. Couldn't get the putback on the uh, B.J. Taylor miss. Uh, take me through what you think the agony, because you were on the other side. You were winning those kind of games last season. What you think UCF 
is going through. It's it's hard, you know, when you equate March Madness to some of these game winners, like Dante Ingram hit a game winner, Clayton Custer hit a game winner, then Marcus Towns hit that big shot. So a lot of times you equate it with big sh- making shots, and you don't equate it with the agony of missing that shot. I just hope Aubrey, who had a phenomenal game, 32 points, he kept him in it, um, that I know it's one of those, that tip back was a hard tip back. He, I mean, just the effort to get to the tip back, but I know he's a player. He's going to be thinking about that a long time. And it's agony. It's agony. Candace and I were talking, Candace Parker and I were talking. Sometimes you'd almost rather lose, like a couple of other teams lost today, like 15, like, well, like we lost, we gave it. But to lose on that, it's it's so hard. And to see the emotion with Coach K, with Johnny Dawkins as a coach and having player-coach relationships, to see those two elite, elite coaches, what an emotional moment, too, after the game. Just heartbreak all over the place. And what it made, what it made me think of is is your team was built last year for a run. And you were able to accomplish it, but it wasn't easy. And you know how hard it is to get a team and a program to that point. So using UCF as an example, um, when you're building up and you actually get the chance, you actually get in and you win games and you're positioned to win. Uh, you know, take me through that, that, that building process of when you, everything's right there for you and you had the opportunity. You guys actually converted on those opportunities and got all the way to a Final Four, whereas others, many others, don't. You know, for a lot of us, you have to be old, you know, you have to be old. And like last year we had three seniors and then we had two fifth year juniors and you, you know, to, to do that, the experience to be old, to have them been in your culture for so long, it's, it's a big thing to be old at our level. You know, UCF has some kids, you know, Taco Fall. I mean, those guys, those are hard, you know, to come by. So it's hard. I mean, they should have nothing to be, upset about though they went a great year getting the tournament they got to this stage so because they fell short of their dreams of of winning it all or getting to the final four you know it's going to have that gut wrench for a while um but you know they they should have nothing to be uh, hang their head you know be ashamed of because they had a heck of a year you know i also think back to how remarkable what your run was when you think about our first weekend in this tournament where murray state and john morant unbelievable first game and then they get blown out in the second game. Fletcher McGee, phenomenal three-point shooting performance in his first game against Seton Hall. And then he can't make a shot in the second game against Kentucky. How hard was it for you guys a year ago when you won the first to actually come back and win the second in that first weekend? That, it's, a, it's a really timely question, too, Andy, because this morning I was watching the way Tennessee bum-rushed them this morning in uh, Iowa. And it was deja vu. Admiral Schofield hit two quick threes. They came out on fire. And if you remember our game, it was like 14 to two before we even blinked. And I remember calling a timeout and I've never gotten on my guys harder the entire year as I did during that timeout. Because I was like, you guys, we went, came this far. You know, it wasn't just, hey, happy to win that first one. And I remember the seniors walking out of that huddle and it wasn't like, man, coach is tripping. It was you guys, you're right. And we, we we came out of it, and then we bounced back, and we just eventually, you know, took the lead. And But I watched how Tennessee just bum-rushed them. They got up 25, and it just never stopped. It's hard. It's hard when you, you get to the, every level, and you're taking people's best shots, and the teams are good. You need some breaks. You need some veterans. You need some leadership. You need a lot of a, a lot of everything. And we fortunately had a lot of it going at the same time. And that's what happens in these March Madness runs. 
it just really is so difficult to win the second one because I'm sure your players get so emotional. All this attention in the 24-hour period is enveloping them. You know, Buffalo, same thing. They crush Arizona State, and then they turn around, and 48 hours later, they're losing badly to Texas Tech. When you look back, is that maybe one of the better accomplishments that you guys were able to win the second game of each weekend after all the euphoria of the first one? Absolutely. You know, uh, I really like what Russell Turner was saying throughout this whole 48 hours. And You see Irvine coach. Yes. And I don't know how this outcome is going to come, but I, what I liked was everything was about, we're just not happy to be here. And that was kind of our message last year. The whole time we were like, you guys, we are good. You know, we belong here. And every win we wanted to enjoy it. But then when we got it within closed quarters, we were had like a focus. Our prep, everything was... We're just not happy to be here. We are good. And that's I've heard Russell kind of just following his comments. He's kind of had the same mentality with his team about, you know, it is. You got to get these guys believing that it's just not, hey, we're happy, you know, but you're good. Let's advance. All right. So you make the Final Four. You don't make the tournament this year. Very difficult, obviously, to go back to back. How do you make sure that there's a legacy off that, that you're back in the mix next season, the season after, to win the Valley and potentially not just get in the tournament, but win a game or two. Yeah, that's that's the hard part. You know, we, we did win back-to-back conference titles in Missouri Valley, first time in Loyola history they won a, a conference. But we have to we had to get magic, and we weren't going to get an at-large bid. We had to win those three games, and we felt two points short to the league champion Bradley, the tournament champion. So, you know, we got some good pieces back. We lose two really, really good guards. We um in Custer and Towns. So um but we got Crutwig back for the next two years, Lucas Williamson back for the next two years. We had we've had really good success with sit outs. You know, Milton Doyle was a sit out from Kansas first team. Custer and Towns were sit outs both players of the year. We have another one sitting out, Tate Hall, a Division II transfer who's just tough as nails, really excited about him. I love my freshmen, but you have to continue to recruit guys to your culture, continue to to build that. So on one hand, we have we lose these two, but it's a great challenge for the rest of the guys. Hey, we lose these two when there's gonna be a lot of talk like we're gonna take a step backwards with the program. And I think it's something to motivate us this offseason. Appreciate it, everything, Porter. And uh, I know we will see you back. In the tournament. Thank you, Andy. Hey, coming up next on March Madness 365, a conversation with LSU interim head coach Tony Benford. And now joining me here on March Madness 365, LSU interim head coach Tony Benford. And the Tigers are uh, having quite a run in the NCAA tournament. They are into the Sweet 16. Uh, they are going to have uh, an unbelievable matchup. I think it's going to be one of the best matchups in the Sweet 16. We have a lot of great ones. But they're going to take on Michigan State. Uh, this will be a Friday-Sunday regional in Washington, D.C. You've got Cassius Winston versus Trump Waters, Naz Reed versus Nick Ward, and everything else in between. I mean, this is going to be a great matchup. Uh, Tony, let's first deal with what just occurred to get you to this point. You're put in this sort of a tough situation. How did your kids handle dealing with the adversity once you got to the NCAA tournament? Well, uh, great question, Andy. Uh, our guys have been resilient all year. Uh, through all adversity, as you you know, uh, they've gone through losing a teammate, losing Wade Sims uh, right before practice. Uh, that's really brought this group closer together. Uh, they, they've taken ownership, I'll tell people all the time. Uh, they've taken ownership of their team, and, and, and every great team I've been associated with, is, you know, the players have always taken ownership of the team and held everyone, uh, their teammates accountable. And that's, that's what this group has done all year, even when Coach was here. 
you know, we, we won a lot of close games when Coach was here. We won, you know, we won, we won five and one in, in overtime, uh, you know, when we played six overtimes games in SEC play and won nine road games, you know, in SEC play. So, uh, we've had great success because of these players. And that's the thing that helped. What they did make me in terms is that I relied on those guys. I met with Trayvon Waters and Styler Mays and, and, and Cabell Bigsley, some of the older guys, you know, not enough like scholars, not older than Trayvon Bigsley, but I met with those guys and we just talked about guys. Y'all got to continue to take ownership. I need you guys to help me and help the staff, you know, with, with, uh, you know, with everything we're doing on and off the court, you know, holding your guys, these teammates accountable. And they've done a great job with that. So it made the transition smooth. I didn't, I have not changed anything. Uh, I wanted to have our same routine for us practice and our weightlifting and individual workouts and, and, you know, our preparation for the game. So I've kind of kept the same routine about everything we're doing. So let's deal with both games. I'll admit, and I did this, you know, during the regular season, I was all in on LSU thought you guys weren't getting the right pub. And it wasn't that I didn't have faith in you. Obviously, I do. I've known you a long time. But I was just looking for crazy upsets because that's what you're supposed to do when you pick a bracket. And I thought, okay, Yale maybe could do this. Uh, and you guys got off to that great start in that game. Yeah, yeah. But then, even though Mieoni, their best player, was not shooting the basketball well, they started like, hitting some threes at the end. And it got really close down to the last possession. Talk to me about um, how did you guys build that lead and then on the flip side, how were you able to hold off there in the final basically minute or two to make sure you won the game? Well, well first of all, Andy, I saw where you picked that. Some people reminded me that you picked Yale, but that's all right. <laughs> but anyway, I won't, we won't talk about that. But, but, but Andy, what we did, I'll tell you what. I think our preparation is as good as anybody in the country. It's as good as I've been around. You know, we've had great prep when I was at Marquette with Buzz and, and whatnot. But I think we got great preparation. And I attribute that to uh, assistant coach Greg Hyatt, which is who's at Wichita State, and Bill Armstrong, who's at Old Miss. They're on the staff, and they do a great job uh, with the scouting report. And Greg Hyatt has a scouting report for Yale. He did a great job with it. And what we wanted to do was this. We knew Yale was a quality team. They played some P5 uh, schools very – they beat, you know, Cal and Miami and they played Memphis really close and was in the game with Duke until late. But but anyway, we knew that we had to do a good job on Oni and Reynolds, those two, two best players, and, uh, and Copeland, you know, he played well. But we wanted to make it a paint game. We said we, we had to attack the paint. That's what we wanted to do. You know, we wanted to make it a, a paint game, and we dominated the paint. Uh, I think we outscored them, uh, you know, almost 18 points in the paint, you know. And so that's what we did. We had, I think, 10 points in the paint. I'm sorry. But our guys did a great job with that. And then we wanted to push it in transition, set the tone. They they were pretty much a tempo team, too. But we pushed it and got out to an early lead on only – we got a kid, Marlon Taylor, who's a really good defender, our best defender. He did a great job on Oni. That was his challenge to keep Oni off his right hand. And Oni is a great job at going right. He's scored all three levels. But we did a great job challenging him, uh, keeping him out of the paint. And, and, and we just, you know, they made a run in the second half, and we were able to uh, make some free throws down the end at the end to close out the game. So great effort by our guys, great, great effort. All right, so yes, I, I I fully am taking ownership of that, and that was a mistake, bump. I'm all in now again. Um, all right, so although I did pick Michigan State to go to the Final Four, so I'll just let that out there. That was the Final Four, but I still think you guys have the talent to beat them or Duke if that happens. Um, let's deal with the Maryland game. Take me inside that huddle, the last huddle you guys had, because Jalen Smith hits the three in the corner, and. You've got an opportunity there. You've got multiple options, but they had great size. And so you would think on the outside, okay, can Tremont Waters really get to the basket against Fernando and Smith? What was the thinking inside that huddle about what you needed to accomplish in that possession? 
Well, we knew, and we wanted it was eighteen seconds. We wanted to take the last shot. Okay, they had, they, you know, Mark ran a great play. We knew they were gonna try to get to the paint, and and, and maybe they needed a three, and they kicked it out to those shooters. And we got some guys that sucked in. We told the guys only to shoot, make them shoot them, you know, make them take them two. But you know how it is. Where your defense breaks down, they make a big play, make a big shot. But anyway, uh, as soon as they get the shot, I call it. We rush ball up, call a timeout. Then Greg hired one of our assistants said, said, "Coach, let's just go with fifty. Uh, well, it was forty-five. You know, people said." I think I said 54, but it's 45. All it is is a high ball screen, okay? And what you can do, and you, we can run it against uh, uh, zone or man, okay? When it's run against the zone, especially a 3-2 or a 1-2-2, two, two, you can run against those two zones. Well, I mean, so what you do, you set a ball screen at the top of the zone, and then you try to come down. And then we have our big, a lot of the, uh, what was overlooking that possession was Cabell Bridge and Williams. We told them to play in the alley a little bit and behind the defense and then try to seal up. You know, to occupy Bruno, who's a great shot blocker. And he did that. You know, so simultaneously as Nas Reed is setting the ball screen, Trey's coming downhill. He's got to beat Jalen Smith. He got by him. And his man, his man, Nas had a great screen. Now you got Bruno coming over to block the shot, but we see Bruno up, so he couldn't get across the challenge, Trey Munt. And Trey, Trey Munt just made a great play. You know, great players make great plays. And before we broke, I told Trey Munt, hey, just get to the basket, put it up on the backboard. And, you know, if we get it up there, we can make it easy, you know, score it, or we're going to be able to tip it back in. So that locker room, I mean, we've seen the video, but prior to what, you know, any video in there or even private conversations, what has it been like in the 24 hours since you guys reached the Sweet 16 with everything that you guys have been dealing with from the beginning of the season, the tragic loss and murder of, of Wade Sims to highs of winning the SEC regular season on the court to Will Wade not being allowed to coach and his suspension. The raw emotion that came out in the locker room, how would you describe it? Well, the kids were, you know, we had some guys crying. And, and, and I'll tell you, and it's a testament to the I've told people this. I've told people this. It's a testament to the character of these kids. And that's what it's all about at the end of the day. It's about the kids' experience. You know, and they, like you said, they've been through so much adversity. I mean, you can you take this to Hollywood with this script, write this script. They go, no, 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 we don't believe this script. You know, come back with another one, you know. But they're just a testament to these guys, their character. And, and, and they've taken ownership of their team. And they love one another, trust one another. And that's the thing. I'm really proud of these guys. Happy for, happy for these guys because of what they've been through. You know, they won so many close games and then adversity, to, you know, obviously losing their teammate and now their coach. And uh, we just try to keep it a narrow focus, you know, just uh, get ready for, you know, one day that we've got a one day at a time mentality with our preparation and everything that we're doing, getting better today. That's all we can control. We can't control, you know, what's, what's ahead of all we can control is today. Let's get better today. And that's the thing that we focus on. But I'm so happy for these guys for what they put into it. A guy like Scott Mays, Wade Sims was like a brother to him. You know, those guys grew up together. And he was, you know, he's got 44 everywhere, written down everywhere. And, 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 you know, so it's just, you know, to see this uh, come to full fruition, I mean, it's just it's happy for these kids. What's the difference between what's occurred in the NCAA tournament versus the SEC tournament? Well, I think this, we played a, a quality team. You know, we beat Vanderbilt. That's the first game I was entering. We beat a, a Vanderbilt team that struggled, obviously, but uh, we beat them by 20. And we played Vanderbilt. We didn't have nines. We beat ours. I think smart. Obviously, our coach. So, but our guys still went out and beat Vanderbilt by 20 at home. And then we come into the tournament, you know, we cover the same prep. 
we had battled Florida all year. Florida, you know, both games against Florida was overtime games, okay, and they do a great job of, you know, uh, Michael does a great job of mixing up his defense. And does, uh, he did a great job against us. But anyway, we, we knew going in there was going to be a, 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 a tough challenge, you know, because of the way they play and their style of play. But, uh, you know, just in the Florida game, we jumped out early on them, same thing like we did the, the other night, uh, you know, against Merlin. But then Michael, they they – we got a little stagnant in the second half and, and, uh, didn't, you know, we, we didn't, uh, didn't, we didn't execute as well as we needed to offensively. But I give him credit, you know, that was Florida, uh, give those guys credit. But then we came back and made a big play and then Florida just hit a big three, uh, at the end of the beat us at the buzzer. And so, uh, you know, you give those guys credit. But I think since then we regroup, refocus. I told our guys, hey, everybody's zero and zero now. And, uh, this is a new season. This is what you guys worked for since you've been here in June. And let's go out and, and, and approach it again, the one day at a time mentality and let's, let's see where it takes us. And that's where we're at in Sweet 16 right now. You've been a head coach. At North Texas, you've been an assistant for decades at a lot of different stops. How is this experience different than when you were a head coach or even as a top assistant other places? No, I had a great run in New Mexico. You were there. We had some great teams, great players. We went on playing NBA and that Marquette coached some great teams that, you know, great players, Jimmy Butler, Jay Crowder, Wes Matthews, and those guys. And they were buzz. But I think here, uh, this may be the most challenging year I've ever been associated with. You know, because you can't, uh, you know, when you lose a player, I mean, that's something that you can't, uh, I mean, a phantom, you know. And you, we get that call at one twelve in the morning, you know, uh, at midnight that, you know, one of your players have been shot. I mean, you just, that's something you wouldn't want anybody to go through, a coach or anybody, you know. And so just the adversity that we've had to go through, uh, you know, now, now not having a coach and had to move into the coaching job, it's been been very challenging, you know. But uh, I've been fortunate. I've had some people reach out to me, my former college coach, you know, Coach Myers called me, Coach Rob Evans, who's a mentor of mine, who was with me at North Texas, a former coach at Old Miss and ASU. And they just told me, you know, look, just, you just got to concentrate on those players. It's got to be about the players. Don't change what, what you guys have been doing. Keep your routine the same. And that's what we tried to do is just focus on the players, Andy. That's all you can do right now. It's, it's their time and their experience. And we just got to keep preparing them uh, for the next task, task at hand. And that's to you know, try to be a great Michigan State team. Yeah, so I, the thing that I don't want to get lost in all this, and, and it shouldn't be used as like, you know, an excuse or anything, but I do think some of the coverage – of what's gone on with Coach Wade, the fact of what happened with Wade Sims has gotten lost. Yeah, yeah. But that's not lost on you guys because you're there every single day. His locker's the same. And, and you don't need to scream it. You don't need to say it because it's in inside every player. But how much have you felt like that that's gotten lost a little bit from the other controversy, uh, the, the tragedy, what occurred to to obviously to Wade, to this team, to his friends, you know, so moving at one point when what his parents came out and cut a piece of the net when he won the SEC. It, it feel and maybe that's not the case in Baton Rouge. It just feels nationally that that's gotten lost at what this team had to go through and is still going through because the grieving process doesn't stop. No, 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 no. I I, I can tell you, and it's, 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 it weighs heavy on these kids because everything they do is for, it's about four forty four, four forty four for their brother, and and they'll tell you that. I mean, they preach that in the huddle. Like for instance, in our huddle. Uh, one of our huddles yesterday, uh, we had 44 points, you know, and, and it was on the clock, it was on the scoreboard. And so I'm trying to drop a play and Trey said, whoa, 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 coach. He stuck his hand in the middle of my place and coach, wait, 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 wait. Everybody, he said, everybody in the huddle, Trey said, look up the scoreboard. And they had 44 on it. And so all our guys look up there and they put up their hand. While we're doing the huddle now, this is the second half. 
And so everybody put up 44. And so, you know, it was a, a, a tough moment there. But uh, we had to, you know, we regrouped and guys went out and played. But uh, it's just, you know, it's a tragedy. I mean, that's what the thing that's tough is that a lot of people overlook what these kids have gone through losing a brother. When you lose someone close to you like that, how it affects you, you know. And it's just uh, one of the things we've, we've done. You know, LSU's done a great job support system. We travel with, you know, sports psychologists. They have a lot of resources available to help our guys that's kind of got through it, you know, to get through it a little bit. And they've just dedicated the season to Wade, and his his friends have been great. You know, uh, you know Wayne and Faith are you know great people, great Christians, and and so they've been very supportive of the players, and and they spend a lot of time. They talk to them all the time, and so we really appreciate what they've done. And and I know they're living through uh, living through these guys here, and, and these guys dedicated the season to uh, no to Wade. That's what they're doing. They're, they've dedicated everything to Wade. All right, so let's shift to Michigan State before I let you go, Tony. I rattled off the matchups. And uh, clearly, you, you could argue that Waters, Winston, Reed, Ward, Mays versus uh, McQuaid. I mean, I could go down the list. It's a, I think yeah. it's going to be a very <laughs> even game. You know, from what you've seen, and I know you're. Well, I, don't know about, I don't know about even. They got Coach Hizzle over there. No, <laughs> got, there's a lot of talent no. on both sides. No, you're right. You're right. You're right. So you're right. I know you're just starting the process, but what's the best way to beat them? Well, I think this, uh, from watching them, they're one of the most efficient teams uh, in the country offensively. I think in fourth nationally, when you start looking at their, their offensive rate, you know, for what they do, especially at the, you know, in the, in the for two-point at the, at the, in the paint. I mean, they do a great job of finishing and everything there in the paint. And defensively, Andy, they're so efficient there. They're eight nationally. You start looking at their different numbers, you know, uh, protecting the rim and with opponents are shooting uh, inside. And they rebound the ball, one of the best rebounding teams in the country. So, we to do is, is, is we got to execute offensively. We feel like we have to do a great job executing on offensive end. We wanna, they play up tempo too. They do a great job of pushing in transition, especially out the makes. They're the best in the country pushing the ball out the makes. And so, but we got to do a great job of uh, you know getting back in transition uh, defensively, and then making sure we well, get our defense set. And then when the side goes up, we got to we got to rebound the ball. And then offensively, you got to move the ball against them. You got to make sure you move the ball, and you got to screen, and you got to try to attack. And we, you know, we won't always want to. We talk about paint touches. You know, we want to get into the paint and, and, and you know see if we can you know establish the paint early, and that's what we'll try to do. And I know they'll try to do a great job of you know keeping us out of the paint. So we're gonna to to do a great job attacking, running good offense, and then taking care of the ball. We have to value the ball. We have to value the ball, and, and they can't turn it over. Especially that's the one thing in NCAA terms. Talk to any coach, and you got to take care of the basketball, and uh, we got to do a great job with that. And Tony, last thing before I let you go, uh, we don't know how this is going to end. We don't know what's going to happen with Will Wade and his suspension. Uh, but this week, it's you, of course, again. You got this game against Michigan State and D.C. in the Sweet 16. Regardless of whether it ends this weekend or next weekend in the Final Four, how do you want everyone to look back on how you handled this situation? Well, oh, great question, Andy. I, I think, you know, just uh... – Took over a group that was, uh, you know, had gone through a lot of adversity, and and and, uh, and then I want people to remember the kids. You know, it doesn't have to be about me. And I, I just want to remember that, hey, I just did the best job I could do to, to, you know, to help the kids get through a tough situation, and 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 have a great experience. You know, they during the Sweet 16. You look at two years ago, Scott Mays won. Uh, he won two games, two in at 16 in the SEC. Now he's in the Sweet 16. So what a, you know, what a memory for him, a legacy. It's about their legacy, not not mine. I've had my time, so. I just want people to look at, hey, you know, uh, maybe uh, Coach Bedford helped us get through a tough time, and, and it was a great time, you know, to help LSU get through a tough time, too. And so that's all I'm, I'm concerned about is the kids and make sure they have a great experience. Tony, I appreciate it. And uh, I know uh, 
I'll be in D.C. Sunday, so we'll see if I see you Sunday. Okay, I'm so, around the country. But uh, I made my mistake once. I'm just admitting that I did pick Michigan State to go to the Final Four, but I still think LSU, basically, I think the winner of that game, certainly either one of them can get to the Final Four. Yeah, well, I appreciate that, Andy. Yeah, that's right. Hey, I like how you how you're on the fence on that one, Andy. Hey, I, hey, that's part of it. But hey, hey, well, I appreciate you. Always great talking to you. You're a great friend, and always been a great supporter. And hey, uh, thanks, and uh, so the best to you and your family. All right, thanks, Tony. All right, take care. Bye. And that'll wrap up this edition of March Madness 365. As always, you can find our podcast wherever you download podcasts, especially at iTunes and on all our March Madness NCAA.com platforms. Next week, we will preview the final four. Thanks for listening. March Madness 365 with Andy Katz, presented by Grammarly. AI seems to be all over the place, but with so many options on the market, how do you know what is good for you and your business? AI is no longer a plaything. It's a business imperative. Companies that already use AI for writing are making gains. If you want to beat the competition, you need an AI writing partner you can trust. One that will help you generate not just more content, but better. Grammarly saves your company from miscommunication and all the wasted time and money that goes with it. Grammarly is a secure AI writing partner that gives your team an instant first draft or the perfect last word written in the company voice and tailored to their audience and goals. When every doc, message, and email your team writes is clear, compliant, and on brand, everything gets better. Inbox numbers drop, customer satisfaction scores rise, and companies can save 19 days per employee per year. Learn what better writing can do for your company at Grammarly.com. Grammarly, easier said, done.